Hi there, I'm Jessie Cook and I'm here with SciDance, an evidence-based podcast looking at all things dance science, chatting to experts in the field who share their research, knowledge and thoughts for dancers, dance educators and dance scientists. I'm super excited to be back here today with Dr Lucy Clements, Senior Lecturer in Psychology at the University of Chichester and a Chartered Psychologist. You might recognise Lucy from episode 15 on creativity in dance. Today we're talking about performance anxiety. After injury stopped her pursuing a dance career, Lucy studied psychology at the University of Surrey and dance science at Trinity Laban. While completing her PhD, Lucy began working freelance to deliver workshops and consultancy for dance students and schools, and now runs a business as a dance psychologist, alongside her academic position, supporting dancers across the world, including as far as India, Hong Kong and the USA. Lisi has published in journals such as the Psychology of Aesthetics, Creativity and the Arts and the Journal of Sports, Exercise and Performance Psychology. Her research interests are diverse within psychology, but she is particularly interested in the interplay between the environment and the individual in developing a rounded, healthy dancer, not just a technically perfect performer. Hi Lisi, welcome back. How are you today? Hello, thank you so much for having me back. I'm well, but it's very rainy outside, so hoping not to get too soaked today. Yes, same here. Um, just for listeners who might not have heard our previous podcast, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, um, so my name is Dr Lucy Clements and I'm a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Chichester. Um, and I also have a little business where I've branded myself as a dance psychologist, um, also um, using Instagram quite a lot to share information. But what I really do is um, lecturer in psychology and then my research focus and expertise is in performance psychology, looking at well-being and creativity in dancers. Um, and then I do lots of wonderful, um, exciting things like going into dance schools and companies and talking to them about the importance of looking after their psychological health and well-being. Perfect. And if you want to hear more about Lucy, you can go and listen to our previous episode, which was on creativity in dance. Um, but today we're going to talk about, we're going to do an introduction to performance anxiety, I suppose. So if you could just tell us what we mean when we talk about this, Lucy. Yeah, okay. So performance anxiety, I think it's really important to start by, by breaking down, kind of separating um, the different aspects of anxiety that, that, that you can have. So I think when people... Um, what think about performance anxiety they often think that that's associated with kind of having an anxiety disorder um and i think there's lots of kind of misunderstanding or confusion about um where performance performance anxiety sits as a response to dance so my um kind of approach to performance anxiety and understanding performance anxiety is kind of looking at it as the extent to which somebody is able to cope with the, the demands of performance so when we look at performance anxiety, I kind of approach it from the fact that a small amount is quite normal and that's quite a normal response to dance um, and being asked to perform. Um, and then what, what I'm interested in is to what extent does that then become maladaptive or negative in impacting either on well-being in the lead up to or during performance or kind of um, integrating into that dancer's sense of who they are. Um, and to what extent is the person kind of able to cope with that. So when we talk about um, performance anxiety, it's this state response, I guess. So a um, kind of a momentary, but could be quite enduring response to performance. And it's defined as, I'll give you the definition of what we would call it as, a negative emotional state in which we have feelings of nervousness, worry and apprehension, which are associated with arousal in the body. 
So I'm sure we'll go on to talk a bit more about those kind of different facets of it. Yeah, so how does this differ then from other forms of generalised anxiety or other forms of anxiety in dance? Yeah, so um, generalised anxiety as a, as a disorder is, I think, um, I think it's really important to talk about the differences here. If somebody has generalised anxiety disorder, what that means is that their anxiety is um, probably impacting on their day-to-day -day functioning over an extended period of time. And in those circumstances, I think it would be very important that somebody um, was seeking support for their anxiety. The, the state of performance anxiety is a state. So you do see that people who have um, generalized anxiety disorder may be more prone to performance anxiety. But performance anxiety, while it can be deeply debilitative and very negative for performance, there's something about recognizing in it that to a certain degree, it's, it is a normal expected response. And really we, what we want to be looking at is understanding how far along the spectrum is somebody in their experience of performance anxiety and how debilitated does it become. Um, and the thing with performance anxiety is that we can, we know we can kind of um, intervene in people's understanding of how they're responding to anxiety to actually promote it to be a positive experience. So um, I think if somebody says that they have performance anxiety or if a teacher is working with a student who has performance anxiety, it's really important to kind of unpick whether that is a state response. So a, a less um, re uh, consistent response or whether it is part of a greater sense of who they are, which might be indicating actually a generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah, so where does this sit within dance science then? So I think, um, well, that's an interesting question. I think um, it sits within what we would call performance psychology. So understanding the impact of um, various dance contexts, but also the individual and aspects of the in individual that um, impact on performance, but also on well-being. So we know there are certain aspects of well-being which, which, which might predispose somebody to performance anxiety, so generalised anxiety disorder being one of them. But I think it's also really important that it becomes um, approached in not, not a um, medicalised perspective, so not always um, believing that performance anxiety is something which needs being got rid of more that it's um, I think it's really important to educate around the understanding of what performance anxiety is and how to um, maybe not try to always eliminate it but work within it or conceptualize it and reframe it cognitively in a slightly different way so that you can actually use it to aid performance. Sure so what are the symptoms then of performance anxiety and why is it so important that we understand these for dancers? Mm -hmm. The symptoms usually fit into two clear categories. So within um, anxiety, more generally, and performance anxiety, you've kind of got two camps or two categories of symptoms. So the first of those is the cognitive symptoms, which are um, thoughts. So when we talk about cognitions in psychology, what we're interested in is the thought processes that people have. So typical thoughts that you might have in a lead up to a performance is, what if I step on stage and forget what I'm about to do? Um, one I hear quite a lot from dancers is what, what if I go on stage and my costumes are wonky or I haven't got my lipstick on or my hair's not perfect, mm -hmm. but also um, thinking about the consequences of that. So it may be if, if I make a mistake on stage, I may lose my position in the company or if I mess this particular step up, um, my parents will be disappointed in me. So it's those kinds of thoughts and feelings that are beyond being just nervous and concerned about that performance, but also being quite worried and quite apprehensive about the prospect of it. 
We also have the somatic um, symptoms. So these are ones that manifest in the body. So the physiological response to performance. So these are related to your body being quite aroused. Um, and typically things are like when you get very sweaty hands, um, when you really need to use the bathroom, which can not be great if you're in a costume that's very well sipped up. Um, when you need, um, you know, when your heart is really racing and your body is really kind of telling you that something is about to happen. So that's, that's where um, you get this kind of crossover between the um, physiological and the cognitive symptoms. I don't know. So as a psychologist, I think what's um, interesting about performance anxiety and what, what we um, like to explain to dancers, but also understand about the experience of performance anxiety from dancers is about how these two symptoms work in relation to each other. So they're not two discrete um, experiences. What happens is that they're likely to be influencing on one another. Now, when you ask a group of people what performance anxiety is, it's interesting because generally they'll start with saying something like worry. So dancers will tell me, oh, it's when I'm very worried about my performance or I'm thinking through all the consequences of my performance. Um, and then sometimes people say, oh no, but I think it's when I get really sweaty. And often I think we don't naturally think about the fact that the two kind of come hand in hand. So my next question usually to a group of dancers or performers is which one do you get more, get strongest? So who experiences the cognitive anxiety more strongly and who experiences somatic anxiety more strongly? And you usually have a kind of a divide in the group about who, who experiences one more than the other. So what that will automatically tell us is that performance anxiety is a very individualized experience. No two people have the same experience. So no two people have the same symptoms or the same kind of strength of those symptoms in terms of the cognitive and somatic ones. So what performance psychology is interested in doing and looking at is the relationship between the two of them. So which comes first? Is it that we have our thought processes and then it's triggering a somatic response? Or is it that we get some butterflies and then we suddenly interpret, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm sweating, therefore I must be anxious about the performance. So lots of different theories have kind of been proposed about the relationship between the two and also about the um, um, kind of the effectiveness of those symptoms. So this is where it's really useful um, for us as performance psychologists to look at kind of mapping people's symptoms and understanding how one is leading to the other. So some of the psychological theories look at how actually how these symptoms relate to performance. So when we think about the, the cognitive aspects of it, the concern and the fear, what we usually see is that probably is related to more negative performance. The really interesting thing though is, and this is how we can help people to understand performance anxiety and why I think that we can support dancers to manage their performance anxiety better through education, is that if you look at somatic symptoms, actually lots of the symptoms um, such as butterflies, such as sweaty hands are also symptoms of arousal in terms of being very excited. So this is where performance anxiety gets quite complicated. If a, if a person has um, kind of a, a racing heart, a fast beating heart, that also indicates we're very, we're looking forward to something. It's, it's a symptom actually that you get when you're falling in love with somebody, all these kind of sweaty hands, excited. Um, but we then in performance context, I guess, seem to interpret that that means something detrimental. So the relationship between the two is really important to look at if somebody is perceiving that sweaty hands means I'm going to fail, that actually gives us an opportunity to help them to understand, hang on a minute, does sweaty hands mean that you're excited? Let's look at the physiology of excitement and arousal and can we then change the kind of cognitive interpretation of what those symptoms mean?
So the science, the, the theory seems to suggest that cognitive um, cognitions are generally negative for performance, but actually to a certain extent, the somatic experience can be helpful because what it's doing is arousing the body for optimal performance. So if you think about that fight or flight response, it's actually encouraging us to perform better um, so what we see is like a kind of what's called inverted U in terms of um, somatic um, anxiety. So it's actually useful up until a point that it becomes um, very, it, it has a positive effect on performance. So it's almost like ramping us up to do well. And then it drops off when it becomes, those symptoms become too intense or too extreme. So if we can help people to understand the cognitive processing about what those symptoms actually mean and how they might be aiding performance, that's how um, I think where it sits in, the in terms of education and performance psychology is helping people to understand to um, almost flip around that interpretation that symptoms mean, um, those somatic symptoms mean that the performance is going to go badly. Yeah, so could you just tell us a little bit then about what causes performance anxiety and are there any factors which might make dancers more susceptible to performance anxiety? Yeah, um, so in, in research, we can kind of put the, the predictors or causes or sources of anxiety into lots of different categories. So always um, there is an impact of an environment on performance anxiety. So let's say that you're training in a um, performance context where environmentally there's a lot of pressure all the time. You're constantly being told you must always give 100% or you're being told, for example, um, there's, a, there's an agent in the audience who's looking to um, employ one of you at the end, or there's an opportunity here for you. If the environment is very high pressure, that's of course likely to trigger performance anxiety. It's almost putting those cognitions into the performance head. I think as well, if you look at, um, and this is where I'm really interested in dance and how all of what I've just said theoretically is basically drawing on sports psychology. There's a, there's a very large role in the environment of audiences as well in, in dance. So um, in sport, I guess the audience has a, serves a slightly different purpose. They're more there to cheer on. Whereas I think in um, dance, we are performing to the audience, for the audience. Um, and there's that expectation of how will they react? Um, how will people in the audience, my friends and family, feel about how, I, how I'm performing? So there's all these kind of um, environmental triggers in dance for performance anxiety. Then I think what we find is that there are usually, um, every person has what we call kind of individual differences in what they find anxiety provoking. So, and this is where it becomes quite difficult, I think, for dance teachers to know how to manage performance anxiety in a dance class, because you might have three students in your ballet class. One of them has no performance anxiety until you ask them to audition. One of them has no performance anxiety until she goes to an exam. And the third one has no performance anxiety until he has to go on stage. So people have kind of um, individual differences in specific situations that cause performance anxiety. And that's usually related to things like being uncertain. So if you think about an audition, often we start building up in our head, predicting what it's going to be like, what's going to be asked of us, who's going to be there. Um, we'll know people that are there. We're almost kind of looking into the future trying to predict it and create a sense of reality that we don't know so we're, we're developing those cognitions long before the actual performance or audition has come so i think when there's kind of any sense of uncertainty that is one of the biggest kind of triggers for feeling very anxious because you're trying to fill in the blanks of a, of a situation that you don't know about 
And then there are, I think, um, certain aspects of individuals that also might lead them to be more, more or less prone to performance anxiety. So as I mentioned, if somebody has more of a trait anxiety or a generalized anxiety disorder, we know they're more likely to. Um, but also there are certain kind of aspects of mental health and well-being. So if somebody is very low on self-confidence, they're of course less likely to feel comfortable going into performance. And the, the other thing really, the most, I guess the, the biggest predictor of it is your past experience as well. So if you've had lots of previous experiences where the performance hasn't gone well, your version of um, this kind of filling in the blanks of what this performance is going to be like, you're going to be drawing on your stored memories of you've kind of built this, what's called a schema, so an understanding of how you are in performance. And um, then your whole kind of prediction of this next performance is based on the past and potentially mistakes that you made, regrets that you have, um, things that you weren't happy with. So there are lots and lots of um, causes or sources of what leads somebody to experience performance anxiety. And this is why um, I think as much as dance teachers can support generally with performance anxiety, I think this is where performance psychologists can really help with working with somebody over time to unpick. Let's look at um, in which situations do you thrive and can you manage and which ones cause you performance anxiety and let's look at unpicking this. Um, I know that was a really long answer, but I also just wanted to add as well that um, in a recent research study that I've been doing, which is um, under review, so I can't share too much, one of the most fascinating um, findings that came out of that, with, which was with um, vocational level dance dancers, so adolescents, um, they said all the things that we expected them to say about what caused them anxiety, like parents watching, um, feeling that they might let a teacher down. But um, it's kind of ironic because we connected through social media, but unsurprisingly, maybe they said um, actually for them, one of the biggest causes of performance anxiety was social media and what they'd seen on social media prior to going to auditions, for example. Um, so I think it's really interesting now to also start looking at dancers' social media use and how I, I think I would have sussed as a psychologist that might be that might be explaining a lot of concerns around body image, around confidence, but I don't think I ever would have really placed it into the context of actually it might be causing concerns in terms of performance anxiety. So things like having seen your competition or knowing who else is going to that audition before you've even got there, um, which was quite an int interesting finding, I think. So that's a paper that's under review at the moment. It's just a tiny little sneak peek of, of what we found. Yeah, that's so interesting. And as well, I'd never really thought about how dance can be different to other sports in the way that audience watching, because they're, mm. they're probably judging, I suppose, or it can feel like that as opposed to supporting like in sport. And I've never considered that. So that's really interesting. Um, how does performance anxiety actually affect performance then? Mm. So again, it's a really, that's a really fascinating question. And um, actually going back to your, your comment there about sports, in dance, and performance it's very difficult to actually directly measure the effect of performance anxiety on performance because how do we measure performance <laughs> so in sports what you can do in the and this is why i love sports psychology is because there is a clearer way of measuring performance so you can measure is somebody running faster how well are they ranking in the race are they scoring more goals so you can objectively measure whether more or less performance anxiety relates to success the trouble for us in dance in terms of research and really understanding that is that we can't really measure performance. So how do you measure um, whether somebody's performance anxiety affected their performance? So fundamentally, I don't really know. 
Um, all I can say is that actually, if you look at the, the theory of it, there are certain ways in which it can. So um, if you look into, again, the sports literature, what we see is that often if somebody has a very strong um, cognitive anxiety and they have what's called a catastrophe, so a moment in their performance where they've been worrying and worrying and ultimately do go wrong, that higher performance anxiety means slower recovery from that catastrophe. So there's a really classic example I use of an anxious gymnast on a beam. So you can see in her physiology, you know, she, she's shaking and she's really looking down and she is probably a really good example of what performance anxiety looks like to the observer. And she falls off the beam, which is fine. You can, you can do that. But she then gets back on the beam and really struggles to recover from it. So this is the kind of um, experience that we see in performance anxiety, that if something goes wrong and you are anxious, you have got high performance anxiety, it's difficult to make a recovery from that. So I think we've probably all been there in a performance where we've done a pirouette and we've fallen off it. If you've got high performance anxiety, what it then means is that it's harder to pick yourself back up and recover from that incident on stage. Um, and I think generally we would assume that it always has a negative effect. But here's where I think it gets really interesting as well. And again, I don't want to give too much away about the research that I've been doing. But um, what's really fascinating to me is to look at, um, and uh, we have interviewed dancers about their experience of performance anxiety and then how that translates to performance. And what we actually found is that it doesn't necessarily always lead to what they perceive to be worse performance. Because um, I'll just explain the one thing which I think nearly all of them said, it probably won't be a surprise, is that actually despite the fact that I'm stood in the wings very anxious, the second I step on stage, it's gone. The music starts and everything is gone. So um, again, I've got another paper that's under review at the moment that I'm writing with a colleague, um, Dr. Helen Clegg at the University of Buck Buckinghamshire. And we're actually looking at this um, concept of how it does actually translate to performance because most dancers, I think if you said to them, what's your experience of performing, no matter how anxious they are, they seem to then suddenly step on stage and actually get lost. So um, that's a paper that hopefully again will be out soon that looks at what happens once somebody is nervous and then they step on stage. Yeah, I don't know if this is a tricky question, but in the way that it can take them longer to then recover after a catastrophe, why is that? Is it because their cognitions are actually slower or is it because there's more going on or? Yeah, so if you imagine you, you're the gymnast and you've, you're off the beam, suddenly everything is then um, exacerbated. You've got far more cognitions. You're probably physiologically quite shaken by that, not only by the fall, but also um, that kind of gut, like, you know, when you get that pang in your heart, like I've messed something up and then physiologically everything is, so you're almost um, triggering your a greater, a kind of physiological and cognitive response and it doesn't allow you so if you think about um in in the beam that this video i love it it's such a good example because she gets back on the beam and she has like a, a split second where you can see that she's trying to get herself back into the performance but if you think about in dance we don't have that time the music's continued if you're behind you're behind there's no catching up so imagine all that kind of cognitive processing that's going on like i've made a mistake now i need to recover now i'm behind the music oh my god my partner's over there there's like all that processing that's going on um, in addition to all that anxiety that you're already bringing with you. So it is very difficult cognitively to recover from that. But this is where um, there are kind of um, ways that we can teach ourselves to handle those cognitions that with practice will enable us to get over those experiences quicker. 
Yeah, just before we come on to them, can we just look at how, so before we talk about actually in performance, can we talk about how a pre-performance routine could help performance anxiety? Yeah, um, I think this is something that is talked about more. I think um, people now talk about what should you do before a performance and the, the truth of it is that who knows what that really should be, but there are certain things that you can, you can do which can help you. And again, what that relies on is the individual recognizing what their symptoms are. So are they somebody who, um, let's say you're the type of performer who's very worried about how they look and then starts looking at everybody else and is thinking, I'm gonna step out on this stage and I'm the one that's going to look the most unattractive in this costume. That's a form of performance anxiety. If that is your um, concern about other people or it's some kind of comparative concern, it seems logical that you remove yourself from them. If you're somebody who has really strong um, somatic symptoms, then it's more helpful for you to not do that, but to do something that's gonna tap into your managing those physiological symptoms. So pre-performance routine is important, but it has to be individualized and adapted to the symptoms. Cause it actually technically what you could do is exacerbate the symptoms by using the wrong pre-performance routine. So there are certain standard recommendations like doing things like a visualization so visualizing um, either yourself on uh, in another situation where you're very relaxed and comfortable or visualizing yourself doing it well. So going out and doing that form as well. However, that kind of visualization actually could be very, very negative if somebody is then actually imagining a performance and failure. So you have to really think about what's the kind of best um, skill for that person. I think we also talk about kind of relaxation, finding like practicing mindfulness, etc. Um, again, only really going to be productive if done regularly and if um, tied into that individual's what that individual needs. So I think pre-performance routines are useful, but need to be individualized and adapted to the individual. I don't think we could say that before performance, all dancers should do X, Y, and Z because all dancers will have a different experience of performance anxiety. Um, but I think also what's really important is thinking about that pre-performance routine is not just, I think often we think about it as like in the half an hour before when you get to the theatre, but actually a good pre-performance routine will also look at the lead up to it. So in the morning, what do you do? The night before, what do you do? Um, and actually the further you track back from the performance, what things can become part of your pre-performance routine even a week before. So is it that you do that visualisation of success a, a week before? Um, so that you get it out of your mind that you're going to imagine failure. So again, it's, there's lots that we haven't tried and tested in dance, but um, I think lots of ways that probably we could start bringing in pre-performance routines. And I think this is where dance teachers can play a bit more of an active role in helping performance anxiety is if you've got um, exams coming up, auditions coming up, that you start to talk about it weeks before. So that it becomes kind of normalized that we think okay on that day when you're going to your exam what are you going to do what's going to be your routine yeah and we can come to dance teachers in just one second i was just mm -hmm. wondering sort of along those lines then is there anything that dancers can be doing outside of the studio or outside of a dance context in the lead up to a performance to reduce performance anxiety mm, good question um i mean for, for me from a from a kind of practical psychology perspective I think having some time away so time to do other things um, or at least if if thinking through the performance doing it in a productive way but I think um, the more that I get to work with a, a colleague of mine Dr. Moitra Banerjee who's um, a, a mindfulness expert the more that we look 
into using mindfulness for dancers I think that's exactly the kind of tool that would be helpful um being kind of delivered over time in the lead up to performances yeah so is there anything then that teachers can be doing to help performance anxiety um I think so yes I think so first of all what I want to say is that I do understand the challenges for teachers in knowing what to do about performance anxiety because I know that the RAD we do learn about performance anxiety but I think it's it hasn't been long that it's being part of the curriculum to learn about these experiences and the difficulty is that really there isn't enough kind of research to underpin what a teacher can do um, and we always need to make recommendations coming from that perspective so I understand um, that at the moment teachers often feel like they don't know what to do and often that means they then draw on their own experience of performance anxiety which may or may not have been a healthy experience but I think um, I think what teachers can do is um, talk about it. So make it okay to talk about it in a, in a healthy way that, you know what, everybody, you know what, most people will experience performance anxiety. Most people get responses um, to performance. It's okay to feel that way and then start to integrate something into the, the lead up to performances. I also don't wanna say that it should be a teacher's responsibility to um, deal with every single individual student and their experiences that they have. But I think what teachers can, can do is normalize it, that it's okay, it's a, it's a relatively um, not normal reaction which, which can become more negative. But to say, you know what, it's okay if you have performance anxiety and here are a few strategies or um, you know, to reach out to people for a bit of advice on that. Performance anxiety in terms of a performance, there are lots of things that dancers can be doing, but some dancers get quite anxious before class. So treating class as the performance, what could teachers be doing to create an atmosphere where dancers can feel more relaxed and possibly reduce their anxiety in these situations? Okay, so this is going to come back to what I said in my previous podcast and also I think what Sana was saying and probably what most of us psychologists have said that is that there's something about creating an environment in that class which isn't promoting um, performance anxiety. So I find it interesting when dancers say, and you've just, you've just said as well about treating your, your, your class like a performance, that in itself is a trigger for performance anxiety. So that's creating a situation in which somebody feels I must be on my top game. Um, you know, even, even if I'm coming from my busy day at school and then I've got my piano lesson afterwards, suddenly that creates a sense of, um, of anxiety. So I think, again reducing and eliminating that um, competitive context in in the dance class and um, again looking at perfectionism the desire to be perfect all the time all of these um, experiences that you, that, you, that we're looking at separately across this podcast you know perfectionism autonomy performance anxiety they all are so interlinked um, and I think fundamentally it does just come back to creating this environment which is autonomy supportive which is saying it's okay to it's okay to not be 100% perfect it's okay if you are anxious let's give it a go anyway and again coming back to what I said in the previous podcast about choice that if if today you feel really anxious about a particular exercise you can choose to mark it you can choose to do it in a slightly different way. You can choose to do a simplified version of that movement that's making you particularly anxious today. And this is where performance psychology, I think, comes together as a whole, that you're looking at these kind of in interrelationships between the perfectionistic dancer and the autonomy supportive teacher 
and how all of that can feed into supporting so that people learn to manage those performance that performance anxiety so i think it's so important that no young dancer is going to a dance class and feeling anxious about it i mean i will admit that my own experience of tap was very much this that i disliked it substantially and felt very anxious every time that i went to it um, and then that led to me dropping out which is again what we also see um, is that if, if, it, if it goes unresolved people withdraw because they don't want to put themselves in that position so I think creating an environment where it's okay not to be perfect it's okay not to be the best tap dancer or ballet dancer um, and just creating more of a positive culture around it yeah so I guess my last question then is what do you hope to see personally in the future of dance performance or dance training in terms of performance anxiety I think, I think for me, it's really clear. I hope to see better support for teachers in how to understand the science and understand the individuality of the dancers and feel more confident themselves in what they can offer. Um, I think it's really important to, I think, always acknowledge that the teacher is a human being too. The teacher needs support in, in that role. And I also think it's, it's, it's about time we develop some um, useful strategies for dancers that we knew we could be confident in with research that would be helpful because I think we need to develop specific pre-performance routines you know these are examples of activities that you could do that we know impact on dance performance rather than let's just give it a go and um, so I think more research as well into what can help dancers to manage it but I generally think just talking about it as well so I've had so many lovely emails after I've been and talked to dancers where we've just sat and talked about all of this and said you know what it's quite normal and here's other ways that you can interpret that. Here's how you can have a more positive, facilitative response to your performance anxiety. And I get, you know, I get the most lovely emails afterwards where people say, oh, I went to my audition and I tried to flip it around and I noticed that I was feeling anxious. I really think we just need to create an environment where we talk about those things with dancers as well. And they have that education and understanding of their body because we teach them so much kind of technically and anatomically that this is how your arms work and if you move this bit of your arm, this bit moves and why aren't we teaching that kind of, well, if, if you're in a performance context, this is quite a normal reaction. How, how could you change your reaction around a bit? It kind of, I don't know, to me, it just, it just seems like the answer is to just provide a bit of broader education to dancers around these experiences. No, yeah, definitely. I think that's such a big thing is that it is part of performing in dance. So it should definitely be a part of dance training, not an adult mm -hmm. side, I suppose. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention or discuss, Lucy? Yeah, what I would really like to mention, actually, is that I, myself, I'm going to make a confession, used to have very debilitating performance anxiety. And I've told enough students around the country this by now that I don't mind saying it on a podcast, which is that I'm the kind of dancer that used to go to festivals and competitions, be so anxious that she'd step on stage and forget and ruin it. <laughs> so I have had the, the most debilitative form of performance anxiety. And as a dancer growing through my teens, I don't think anybody ever would have predicted that I would go on to a, a performance-based career of being a lecturer. <laughs> um, and I think that what I want to say is that nobody gave me any support about how to manage my performance anxiety. The te teachers didn't support me. My parents wouldn't have had any clue about how to support me. Nobody would have known. But through learning about it, I've actually, I guess, cured my own performance anxiety. 
And I now have all of the um, physiological responses to performance every time I walk into a lecture and stand there or go to a conference and have to perform because it's exactly the same thing. Everyone's looking at you, you your, your spotlight's on you. Um, but I think through me, I've done it to myself. I've really framed my own understanding of performance anxiety. And I'm now in a position where I get all the weird physiological responses to lecturing and to conferences. But I, I have really taught myself to interpret that as the fact that these are opportunities for me to have the spotlight on me, for me to share what, um, what I've got to say. And as soon as I started to learn about it and, and teach other people it, it completely it kind of changed and shifted my experience of performance so if you are a dancer with performance anxiety to you know whether it's as debilitative as mine was where you're forgetting what you're doing on stage or even if you just feel that it's not allowing you to perform optimally you can come out the other side of it and you might even end up doing a career that you never dreamed nobody ever would have thought you'd be able to do so um, I'm, I think I'm kind of living proof you, you can shift your perspective on performance anxiety and actually use it to your advantage. So that's my kind of final little um, sharing of, of myself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your time today, Lucy. It's been great to chat. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again next Monday for another episode of Side Dance. Make sure you're following at Sidance Podcast on Instagram to keep up with the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it'd be really great if you could rate, review, subscribe and share.